All right, welcome everybody to our latest Between the Races podcast on the MX Vice Network. Thank you everyone for listening and supporting the site. We really appreciate it. We'd first like to thank our sponsors in Fly Racing, Monster Energy, Fox Racing, Parts Europe, Scott, Bell Helmets, Acherbys, ASV Performance, Kawasaki UK, KTM UK, and of course, even Strokes for all their incredible support. As without them, none of this would be possible. All right, for this episode, we have another Belter special guest, South African JM Honda MX2 rider, Camden McClellan. Fresh back from injury, mate, at the uh, at the GP of France last week. How's life? And um, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Um, not so bad. I can't complain anymore. You know, I'm back back riding and racing, so everything's going well at the moment. Yeah, and you're heading. You're doing the Dutch uh, Masters this weekend, mate. Doing that tomorrow, so you're excited to get yeah, some more, more seat tomorrow. time under the belt. It was the preparations. You feeling had a good week and all that kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. Honestly, it's actually it's been a rough week uh, in in France. I crashed on race one, and I re-hurt my shoulders, both of them actually. So the riding this week has been pretty pretty average. You know, I've been struggling to hold on and whatever. But now it's. It's all good again, so so tomorrow we can give it a good go. Oh, mate, you're having a pretty rough time. Did you did you get a quick chance um, to watch the AMA motocross too? Just we're coming to uh, coming to everyone just after yeah. that. Uh, pretty impressive, obviously. Jet Lawrence is a guy you know well. Um, pretty bit of an animal, isn't he? Unbelievable, unbelievable. It's it's hard to. It looks so easy what he's doing, but it's it's really there's not not one person that stepped up onto a four fifty at nineteen and has done what he's doing. Yeah, no, it's good. Obviously, me being an Aussie, I was pretty impressed. But yeah, obviously, talking back to your weekend in France, um, a lot of a lot of uh, questions and and topics of uh, discussion about the track and and the Saturday to the Sunday, and obviously how the lap times changed about fifteen seconds. It was it was pretty brutal both days from a lot of riders. Um, talking yeah. to you, soft parts, hard parts, massive ruts, um, big downhills, yeah. and a bit a lot of guys like Guadagnini and Yago and Ferrato and heaps of big crashes so how is it from your perspective mate pretty tough one to come back into after that's the first one back from injury isn't it so what was your yeah. thoughts on the weekend and the track prep and everything no 100 um it was tough saturday was extremely tough uh but at the end of the day it's racing you know i came back i didn't expect it to be easy uh so i came back well prepared especially mentally to to struggle and that I did, but uh, every every session got better. Sunday the track was much easier, actually in my opinion, a little bit too easy. Um, the the downhills were flat, and there wasn't much to it really. But I mean, it, it's good to to come back to a track like that. You know, it wakes you up straight away, so you you kind of get humbled in a way. You can't you you don't come back and think, oh, you know, it's not tracks are not too bad and whatever. So it keeps you on your toes, and uh, yeah, like you said about the injuries, a lot of a lot of guys got injured. But at the end of the day, it's motocross, you know. Uh, Guadagnini and Ferrato got injured on the Sunday, which was really not a not a crazy track to 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 ride. But um, it was interesting. There were some parts like the the jump where they got injured was really sticky. I don't know what they mm. had on the takeoff there, but it, it kind of grabbed you uh, every time you went up there. So. It was strange, and then obviously the downhills on Saturday that got Yago that was insane. But I mean, at the end of the day, everyone can complain, and Je- I saw Jeffrey complaining on Insta. Guarinini wasn't too happy as well, but it's the same for everyone. It's motocross, and I mean, respect to them, you know, they have their opinions, obviously. But I do think both days racing is racing, you've got to take it as it is. It's interesting, well, I suppose, like, um. James and I talked to Jason Thomas last week and he said the option is there to roll off the throttle. You know, you don't have to pin it the whole time. So um, same is that, for is that what you think? Yeah, it's the same for everyone. You ride the track. I mean, Flandrin, he loved it. I saw his Insta post. My yeah. teammate Brent, he loved it. I think it's also Guadagnini. I mean, his post on Saturday after the qualifying was all positive, good starts, nice track, whatever. And then Sunday he was not all too happy. And I think it's very much helped by the fact that he, he got injured, you know, so it's, he left with a bad feeling, which makes him say the bad thing about the track in the post where honestly, I feel he, he might've enjoyed the track. He was riding really well. He has been lately. Uh, Jeffrey obviously had a shocker weekend, which led to maybe the, the Instagram post that he made. So I honestly don't think it was too bad. I didn't see too many complaints. I mean, 
some guys were saying, yeah, it's dangerous and this and that. But every time you swing your your leg over bike, the danger, realistically, it stays the same. It's always there. Yeah, and obviously you saw guys like um, Ben Estont in your class. And obviously there was, what, three riders, 17 and under, Kuhn and Zanke and Rossi in the top 10. So it was pretty impressive yeah. you see those guys doing what they did. And how did you find uh, your competitors? Did you pick up any lines over the weekend or you just sort of focus on yourself and talk to your teammates and your team and your trainer and all that kind of thing? Yeah, exactly. Well, first off, like you said, the Kunin, absolutely insane what he's doing as well at 16 to to run a moto like that and not even look tired after. And then Zankian from the uh, EMX 250 stepping up and then also straight away contending with the big boys. It's impressive uh, from them. And then, yeah, for, for me, it was really just coming in just to focus on myself and get better each lap and each session. And I, that's what I did. I started the weekend off, I don't know, not feeling very good in free practice, let's say. And then at the end, second moto, I was mm -hmm. finished, but I had a much, much better feeling on the track. I was much more confident. I was enjoying it. So realistically, that that was the goal and we achieved that. So so now we can look a little bit further, you know, start looking at results and putting a little bit of pressure. So fitness was obviously, you can't really replicate the intensity in the training. So you're struggling a little bit at the end, but how did you find you've uh, adapted well to the bike um, in the time you've had on it? Everything was feeling in a pretty good direction for you in that race, especially the second yeah. one doing yeah. so well. Yeah, no, uh, for sure. I've adapted well to the bike. I think honestly, in total this year, I haven't had over more than 25 sessions on the bike because of all the visa troubles and then the injury I've, 100% I haven't had over 25 sessions on the Honda so it was immediately actually a good feeling Joel made some changes with the handlebars which helped and then Jackie's he's magic with the suspension so I've never had a problem with that um so it was really it was an easy transition and then hard pack is more or less my thing you know uh, that's all I've ridden in South Africa we don't have sand tracks there so Coming back onto the hard pack was also was was good for me. I rode one time hard pack before uh, before France, and that was the only time I've ridden hard pack on the Honda. But yeah, like I said, it's it's really actually really similar to KTM, uh, the feel. So it was an easy transition. Oh, it's good to hear, mate. And just the one sort of word on the fans and the atmosphere. Uh, how was it there? It's, they always go pretty hard. The French French supporters. So yeah, how was it for you? Yeah. Yeah, in the first moto, um, when I was kind of riding by myself at the back after my crash on the first lap, I knew almost everything what was going on up front because I could hear the commentator and I could hear the crowd. I knew exactly when Benny Stunt <laughs> had made the pass or when there was a battle. It was, but France, it's it's always special. They they're very passionate about the sport there. And it's it's really cool always. Yeah, and obviously they're having the nations in France, not at that track, but in in France, so that'll be pretty cool to uh. Head to with your teammate. That's one. That's definitely on the cards for you this year. If all goes to plan, um, I I would assume so. I, there's been some crazy rules from the South African Federation that have come now uh, about having to compete in the national championship at home to to make the team. Oh, really? Uh, but yeah, that's what I'm hearing. I can't tell you a hundred percent because I'm honestly I'm not involved in none of that. I try and keep my myself away from that. You know, I just ride i do my thing and at the end of the day if they are smart they would choose yeah. best riders and at the moment i think i'm one of the better riders from south africa for mm -hmm. sure so i just do my thing but i i have been hearing rumors about that that's that's pretty crazy mate it would sort of be a strange nations if uh countries took that up like obviously australia would still have a good team but you wouldn't have the lawrence brothers or, or mitch evans yeah so. it's <laughs> No sense. Absolutely yeah. no Has sense. Has it been cool I mean, seeing Tristan there too at the races? Obviously, he's been doing a few. Yeah, hundred Catch up with him? Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, he's We were good friends back in SA, so it's been a breath of fresh air sometimes. Like in France, I went and had a little chat to him. And I don't have to put my European accent on for people to understand. <laughs> no, I can just chat with him like a real South African with real South African slang. So it's, it's refreshing for sure. Yeah, mate. That's pretty cool. So... Yeah, has he been happy with the GPs? Is he obviously making some good strides and it's obviously a difficult yeah. class, A. Eh? It's savage, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And it's a it's a wake-up call for him, I'm sure. And, and he knows it himself. He said it also. Like, in South Africa, 
it's you you can be fast and you can beat this guy and if i go back there he beats me and sure then you say okay i've beaten him i can can do it in in europe but um he's one of the smarter guys and now that he's experiencing the real gps he knows that the level here and the tracks here are just it's a whole nother level so I'm I'm sure he's he's enjoying it, but I did speak to him in France. He said it was tough, especially Saturday. He said it he said it was really tough. He's never ridden a, a track like that, but I know Tristan. He he enjoys riding just just about as much as he enjoys everything else in life. So I yep. think he'll he'll get better and better. I'm sure. And it's just good to put yourself out there and doing those rounds. It's cool these teams allowing him the chance. And it's like uh, like Ben Watson was saying to James, it's like it's good these British guys and, and the British championship guys that race that. They, all you can do is test yourself and to, to learn the level because you're not going to get much improvement staying in Britain. <laughs> getting your top yeah. fives, getting your podiums, you got to like chance your arms. Yeah. So it's cool. And um, wanted to ask you about, um, obviously, with the team, it looks like you've settled in really well. Jackie, Joel, and obviously Brent has... Um, obviously been a massive help. So how have they all been, mate? And um, it's a pretty established team with them. They obviously know what they're doing. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. This this is the 30th year that Jackie's run a GP team. So experience is, is really not a problem <laughs> for Jackie. And uh, I get along well with him. Like I said, he's magic on the bike. He, he's tuned the Honda to the, the edge. You know, he's really made a strong Honda 250, which is not easy these days, if we're being honest. Mm. And then also suspension... I almost never, never have a complaint. It's it's really good. And then Joel, like you said, he's hard work. Uh, he he can be an asshole. Let's put it that way. <laughs> a, a nice asshole. You know, everything he does and says is is to make me a better rider and a better person. So he's a real straight shooter, but he's also a, a really big role this year for me. And then Brent is a great teammate. He he kind of feels more like a friend than a teammate you know i see him almost every day we hang out we we go do stuff together in lomo city so he's really cool and then also yentl uh the mini manager we call him he's jackie's son yeah. uh, so he's been at the races lately uh and i get along well with him also he's a really funny guy so the, the whole vibe in the team as soon as i came in it's, it's been good and it's just getting better you know yeah obviously you're very grateful for them for showing the patience yeah. um with you as well, going through what you're going through. And uh, you yeah. just sort of talk us back through the last time we spoke, I believe it was around January. And um, there was some crazy stuff happening for you with the visa, like being on like basically a criminal list, not being able to get back into to Europe. And um, so obviously it was awesome to get back home and catch up with everyone. So just talk about that as well as the issues that you've faced getting back to Europe. Yeah, no. So it's, it's been a roller coaster of a year for me. Um, last year, November, uh, visa trouble started with me and then every two weeks you know there was a new problem and then the visa got declined and it, it was up until January I would say and then and then it honestly started to look like um I couldn't or wouldn't have been able to come back to Europe and then eventually I got a tourist visa uh, so I could come back for a couple of days and then I came back I rode back a couple of times was feeling good then I got injured which threw a pretty big big spanner in the works but at the same time you know i have to look at the positive side of it it gave me a some time to go back to south africa and get everything sorted and then uh now i'm on like, like a working permit visa so i'm allowed to stay here pretty much the whole year but it has been not easy i can tell you that i don't think many 18 year olds that have lined <laughs> up have experienced in their whole lives what i've experienced in this year emotionally it's been tough uh you know when you think at the beginning of the year that you're never going to ride a bike in Europe again. And then, then you come back and then you get injured and then you go back home and all the, all the visa problems and the bad memories about the visa start coming up again. And then yeah, it's, it's been tough, but I'm very grateful for it. Actually, you know, it's, it's made me just grateful to be in Europe and then look at what I'm doing. You know, I'm riding bikes all over the world. It's, it's, yeah, it's brought me down to earth and really put my feet on the ground and said, you know, look, you have a good life. You got to, got to, yeah, be grateful for it. Yeah, it's a good perspective to have at eighteen, mate. Because obviously, a lot of eighteen-year-olds, I know when I was eighteen, the, the program was pretty loose, mate. So it's a, yeah. you know, obviously, you come from a perspective where you've sacrificed, you and your family have gone through yeah. so much, so much adversity to get so to where much. you are. So it's pretty cool, mate. It's a credit to yourself yeah. and your family for keep pushing. Yeah, thank you.
Yeah, because uh, yeah, I don't know. It's sort of most people would, would probably throw the towel in at that point. So um, and just yeah, yeah afterwards, obviously having the injury to compound things. How was the rehab? Um, <laughs> obviously it was super frustrating for you that happening after was. what you've been through. But was the rehab good? That um, did you sort of find you get get back to a level reasonably? quickly or has it been a bit of a struggle no shoulders it's, it's taken long um well after the surgery they said about six weeks and i can hop back on a bike and uh it took eight weeks before i was back on a bike eight and a half something like that so it took longer and already for me six weeks was long without a bike you know i spent the whole whole winter pretty much without a bike and then um gets taken away again and then six weeks i was grinding my teeth like anxious anxious to get back on a bike but already at four weeks I knew the shoulder wasn't exactly where it needed to be uh, wasn't moving well wasn't didn't have any strength really so I knew kind of I didn't want to believe it but I knew that there was there was going to be some weeks added on but uh, I got back after three four weeks I got it pretty pretty heavy into the the physio I was doing three a week and then got some exercises for home so I, I was full gas with that and uh honestly in the beginning it's it still took so long with all the work that i was doing but around six weeks it kind of took a turn for the better uh like i I went to sleep woke up the next day and it was moving a lot more felt a lot better and then from there it took another two weeks to make the step to get back on a bike and um still right now I mean, it's in, it's not coming out. Every doctor, every physio that I've been to has said that it's they, they've done the surgery really well. It's really tight. So it's going to take a massive hit or some bad luck or something for it to come out. So that's good. But I feel the shoulder is still not 100%. I still have a lot of, not a lot of, but a, a bit of work to do to, to get the movement 98% compared to the right shoulder. And then obviously strength takes a while to build up, especially mid-season. You can't really get in the gym every day and start lifting weights and doing all of that kind of stuff. Otherwise, on the weekends, you're going to be toast. So, yeah, no, it's, it's it's sort of definitely hard, mate, because you know that you're losing time off the bike yeah. while you're going to play catch-up when you get back. And so what do you reckon you're feeling about 80% now? And did you did you were you one of those riders that watched all the races still or did you just want to take a break from it? Or how did you approach it? No, to be honest, when I'm off the bike, I'm still... I become a fan of motocross, you know, motocross is, I try and separate it from, from, from track and life, you know, but constantly everything I do every day is really in the back of my mind. It's always motocross. You know, if I go to a gas station with my friends and they take some sweets, then I'm scratching my head, you know, I'm 18 years old, but I'm scratching my head. I'm saying, ah, oh, but this is not going to benefit me at all. And, you know, it, no, no matter what I'm obsessed with it. So it's, it's always in the back of my head. And as much as I love riding, I also love just the sport in general. I love watching. Uh, this year has been interesting on, on the 250 part. Um, Adamo, Giet, all of them, yeah. they've, been, they've been shredding. So it's been really good to watch. Um, so I've been watching. It's been painful. I can't lie, you know, uh, but I, I've been watching. Yeah, and I'll just quickly on that, who do you see as the main title favorite now? Obviously, Kai, Tebow and... Um... Andrea Adamo are sort of thrust into that now with Yago, or do you think Yago can get back and still be a major player? Um, it's obviously tragic what happened to him, but it's a good title fight now. It's certainly open. Yeah, hundred percent. Like, I mean, you got to see the positives and everything. Now that Yago's gone, the championship's blown wide open again. You know, it's almost like we've restarted the season on the two fifty side. So, for the fan part of me, it's it's really interesting. Uh, in France, I've watched both of the races multiple times, you know, especially the second one when, when Adama was coming through, that was a pretty mm. crazy race. You know, I really, he's, he's been shredding lately. And for me, I think he's number one title contender at the moment. Um, Tebow for me coming in, I thought even with Yago, I thought Tebow was going to, yeah. was going to be a winner. And he's kind of let me down. I've been a little bit disappointed with all due respect, of course. Um, yeah. I did think he was going to, be like he was in France at every single GP, but um, he hasn't. And now Liam's on the come up. He's been riding really well lately, so I'm interested to see what he does in Latvia. Uh, Kai, obviously, he's been there since the beginning. Uh, Argentina, he was fast, so I knew knew he was going to be a 
title threat. Um, but yeah, it's blown it back open. I, I would say Adamo is my favorite, 100%. But yeah. I mean, Pai gets hungry. He gets hungry. You know, I saw it in France when he was battling Liam. He doesn't doesn't take yeah. shit from anyone. Yeah. And then Liam as well. He's hungry. He, he's on the come up. He's got the right people around him. Adamo is hungry. Benistan, I'm confused. I really don't know. Yeah. Mm. So it's interesting. It, it leaves leaves me guessing. I'm sure it leaves a lot of other fans guessing. So for sure, it'll it'll be interesting. Yeah, it's been fascinating to follow. Obviously, Benistan had those couple of uncharacteristic rounds um before <laughs> France, and you just expected him to do so well at those tracks. And it was yeah. just really strange to see that. And obviously, he had a good return to form. But yeah, like you said, I've I've spoken to Andrea and um. Even even Simon would have been great to get back there, yeah. and I've spoken to Liam, yeah. and you know he's got a pretty cool mindset. He's like a no excuses guy, just because of my dad and all the pressure, and it's like people expect a lot, but and I expect a lot of myself. So obviously you're pretty good friends with him, so it's good to see him um, showing his worth and proving some people wrong as well. But yeah, yeah Kai, um, as a racer, he's just always just looks like he's on the limit and using so much energy. He's so fun to he watch, is. isn't he? So is, you'll be yeah. racing against him tomorrow too, mate. Should be exciting. Yeah. Yeah, well, hopefully I can start up front with him, and then it will be exciting. But I mean, if I get bad starts like France, it's not going to be very exciting. Yeah, mate, it's cool to cool to hear you've got your finger on the pulse of everything because yeah, some riders sort of check out from the sport a bit, but obviously you're pretty um analytical and just watching for any sort of small margins of improvement technically and, and anything yeah, really. Yeah, so you watch obviously what's your sort of quick take on the MXGP class as well. Obviously, it's looking like Hurlings and Prado and and Fevre is a little a bit further back, but yeah, they're all riding extremely well aren't they and obviously injuries have hit yeah. that class as well but it's just really great racing both in america and in mxgp isn't it yeah no like you said i'm i'm obsessed with the sport and in every way as a fan as a rider i like to look at the the really little things you know because half the time i experience them myself so so i like to get in depth see what's what um and also like you said the, the mxgp classes i think the the fact that Hurling's DNF'd, I think it's it's great. I think it's gonna spark a fire in him and we're gonna see a 2021 redo possibly, you know, where where it's down to the wire with Prado and Hurlings. Maybe Fevre can make a run at it. Um and then hopefully see where you see him at the front more often. I think he's a hard worker, a good guy. I think he should be and deserves to be at the front more often, like in France. So it'll be interesting. Jeffrey, I think, is gonna hit the switch now you know i think he's going to go into a real beast mode that till the end of the season until it's until it's done um but prado is he's working with joel smets now again and if you see what joel's done with with vial and now what he's done with the damo i think yeah. it's he's like a a secret weapon really um and prado when i watched him in argentina because uh my shoulder came out there so i was able to to watch all the guys from the middle of the track and when i saw him in the quality race i thought it's going to be a long year for guys trying to catch this guy because if he gets a start it's unbelievable how he rides so it's almost like jet just easy smooth no energy used no brakes used just flows everywhere it's really he's a, a new part of this year and i think it's dangerous for everyone yeah you make a good point there about his, his riding and just how he's managing um the weekend so well obviously he's got like five qualifying um race yeah. wins i think he's already got 56 points in those and it's uh it, it sort of puts him in a position where he can just yeah manage weekends how he can rip one have one good moto and almost just you know control the moto because obviously you don't see him doing those really aggressive battles like he like he used to really fighting so hard for those positions like yeah tushintar with hurlings as an example you yeah. see him able yeah. to just bank those points and ride smart and and what do you think on um, Jeffrey riding all these extra races? Obviously, pretty much hasn't taken a weekend off. He's just he's just in full beast mode, like you said. Do you think it's too much yeah. risk, or do you think it's uh, that's just what he got, what he what he wants to do, and what he feels he needs to do? Well, like I said at the beginning, every time you throw your leg over a bike, yeah. you you the same danger is there. I mean, if you go training, whether you go training or racing, when you're on a bike, the danger is always there. Sure, in a in a race, the intensity is higher and this and that. But I mean, at training, you don't have, like if you come to Lommel, you don't have flaggers. And there's often times that the, the hobby riders would fall behind a jump or something. So there's extra level of risk uh, from both sides, racing and training. And I think it's good. I think it shows that he's enjoying the sport a lot more than what he used to. Maybe taking it a little bit less serious uh, on those 
non-GP race weekends and just yeah. enjoying it, getting some training in. Uh, I know at Fox Hills he was, um, he raced there, and I know he's good friends with Tommy. So yeah, I've seen some some videos from Tommy's <laughs> vlog, uh, and it, it looks laid back. He looks relaxed. He looks happy. So I think it's good for him. It's clearly working. So I mean, whatever floats his boat, you know, whatever's whatever works for him. Yeah, and you must be impressed seeing another one of your good mates, Calvin Vlandra, and obviously he's helped you a lot um, in, in yeah. always, really, since you've moved over. And I feel like he's still probably not getting the credit he deserves for all that work he's putting in on a relatively stock bike, uh, one-man team. It's uh, bloody impressive, mate. He's not just uh, what people know him for that sand riding. He's uh, basically a complete rider now, isn't he? He's just an unbelievable talent. And speaking to him a couple of weeks ago, he's um, in a great place with everything. And, uh, yeah, the riding's been pretty bloody brilliant, hasn't it? Yeah, no, hundred uh, percent. I I agree with you. He doesn't get the the credit he de- deserves. Um, not many people know what's going on behind the scenes. Uh, I don't know whether I can mention w- w- what I am thinking of right now. But there's there's little things that are still possibly holding him back from even being even better. And I think he was fifth in France. He's been at the front end the whole year. Uh, on a like you said on a stock bike on a small privateer team uh no for sure it's impressive and he's he's the most down-to-earth humble guy always happy willing to help so like i said with siwa he he deserves he deserves some some good results and what he's getting now he deserves it yeah and i gotta ask you mate obviously the um uh, <laughs> we've been doing pretty hard on the lit kit gallery on mx vice and now uh, the achirby stuff you guys are rocking uh it's pretty sick so What's your take on it, mate? Have you got some? Uh, have you got any design input yourself, or you're just happy to let the let the experts do their thing? No, hundred percent. Like you said, uh, we we've got the matching graphics and and stickers and plastics and and gear. It's been really sick this year. I was I was bummed to miss Arco. Arco that really sick setup. Portugal as well. I mean, all of them have been sick. Yeah. Uh, in Yola, they did that custom one with the, the Mona Lisa and some cool stuff yeah. on the shirt. Really, really cool. They've really blown it out the park this year, I have to say. Um, uh, I don't have any input on the on the designs. It's probably better that I don't, to be <laughs> honest. Um, but I know we do we do say a couple things like like for what rounds we want some vintage shirts, maybe some warm ones. So they've been really open to us, and we've had a lot of input. Not on the designs, but on everything else. And then, yeah, like you said, they've come up with some really, really cool stuff this year. Yeah, mate, it's impressive to see. And um, just sort of your over. Obviously, you've done MX2 races in the past, but just just your general take on the level at the moment and um, the differences between EMX250. Obviously, those guys we spoke about showed that they are EMX250 is an excellent breeding ground for for talent to step up to MX2 and the and the framework they've got in place is obviously working, which the Americans have obviously taken sort of, yeah, they've done their own spin on it with what they're running over there. So yeah, just your take on the framework and how the step up's been on a full-time basis for you, even though you haven't really raced as much as you would have liked. Yeah, no. So like you said, the EMX 250, if you run up at the front there, I think you're very well, well on speed and well, yeah, fit because it's, it's really five minutes. I mean, five minutes is long, but it's five minutes more that you've got to run, but the speed, Honestly, if you run up front EMX, like top three, you can see this weekend top 10 MX uh, in the MX2 is, is not far away. So I think it's it's great what MXGP do that they let the, the kids 125s and 250s, uh, the, the amateurs, let's say, ride on the same track as the GP. And every weekend that they do that, they they learn and they get better and they get to see the 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 world championship riders race so they can pick up on some stuff and then once you're at the top you can jump straight in with some some wild cards like they they did this last weekend in france and then then you get a real taste and a real experience and then you know what to work on if you want to jump in next year yeah i suppose one of the key differences is obviously that qualifying race uh another hot topic of sort of contention that's divided opinion um just your thoughts on it in general mate because uh you sort of You've sort of heard from some of the MX2 guys. They love it. They love a bit extra track time. And then obviously some of the MXGP guys have been pretty vocal about it. And obviously a lot of the media has been pretty vocal about it. But um, but the fans I know definitely love it because it's more racing. It's more high quality racing. But yeah, just your opinion on it. I 
I have nothing against it, you know. I, what I do is is ride my bike. That's what I love doing. So the more the more I'm on the track, the more I'm enjoying it, really. So qualifying race for me, I also enjoy it because it kind of gets the the nerves out the way for the weekend. Yeah. I get on the line. There's there's points up for grabs, but not not many points, you know. And it's not very important. Uh, sure, it's important, but it's it's not a race like a race one or a race two. Um. So it for me it gets the nerves out the way I feel I feel especially in France it was good for me to hop in, no pressure or expectations, and it's shorter so you kind of get a feel for for where you where you at physically how you are feeling on the weekend how deep you can push it um so I enjoy it I think it's good uh, obviously the the MXGP guys they're a bit more mature maybe they don't like to ride their bike as much as I do they they don't enjoy it but um. I don't know. I, I I can't complain. I enjoy it. Yeah, a lot of the obviously the MXGP guys love that one day format that they were running. Um, you know, a couple yeah. of years ago, it's it's get it all done in one day. But yeah, it's not not a huge yeah. amount of track time like they have in the AMA. And just back to yourself, yeah. mate. Obviously, you got fourth in AMX two hundred and fifty, and you got some really great podiums last year. Um, just how do you feel you're developing as a rider and a person? Um, since then, obviously things haven't gone to plan, but um. Everything looks to be going in a good direction, mate. And sort of when do you reckon you'll be ready for sort of hitting those top 10, top fives? Yeah, so so last year, end of the year, I really found a, a hunger in me uh, towards the end of the year. And I went on a on a run. I didn't finish outside top four for the last four rounds, I would say. And uh, that was coming from 30th, let's say. So I was hungry last year, end of last year. I did some good results and then... That's what landed me on the team this year, I would say. Um, so now, last year, after yeah, I did some deep diving, you know, I found what really motivates me, makes me hungry. So I know know what it is coming into this year. Uh, I'm hungry, hungrier than ever, especially after the the um, preseason, all the rubbish that that's that's happened. Yeah. Uh, and like I said before, it's it's been tough. It's been it's been hard, but for sure, it's it's woken me up, you know, to just take every day as it is, be grateful and, and live in the moment. You never know when it's going to be taken away from you or when it, it might end. So it's been tough. And I think I've experienced, I'm definitely more mature than any 18 year olds on the line, I would say, um, purely from all these life experiences. So I take it step by step. Like I said, got to live in the present, got to take it day by day. But how it's going now, I, I'm gelling well with the bike. Joel's making me work hard. I, I'm eating well. I'm living by myself. You know, I'm I'm going up fast. So yeah, I, I reckon when everything falls into place and, and my starts get better, I, I can run top five right now already, I reckon. Uh, it's, it's just about the starts. Yeah, it's impressive, mate. Massive respect for obviously uh, how far you've come as a rider and a person and, and you sort of just throw yourself in the deep end and learning so much and obviously like even you were saying last year you had that um sort of maturity to have a self-reflection moment where obviously a lot of you know fully yeah. grown men in their you know 30s 40s probably don't have that sort of quality approach so obviously we've got a lot of american listeners and, and listeners all over the world but just sort of give us a rundown on your journey as a whole if you want to sort of give a pre- brief overview because it's it's pretty cool obviously yeah. you explained it to me um earlier but it's uh, it's great to hear again and just just to get the insight from you personally, just to what you've been through. It's a pretty impressive yeah. journey. So 2018 was my first real year. Uh, I won European Championship in that year and the, the German Championship. So my European career started off really well. And then honestly, from there, it's been a downhill spiral. 2019 was, was horrible. 2020, I started to build back up. And in 2021, I started feeling very good again on the bike. I, I was training hard. I was eating well um only at the age of 16 so i was i was taking it serious you know i, I found uh, what motivated me at that time i was hungry to to do well and be better and then um i got a little bit sick so i didn't have the year that i was planning and then last year we had some issues in the team at the beginning of the year and then at the end of the year towards the end of the year i, I realized you know there's there's not much that's dividing me from going back to South Africa and staying there, living there, doing a, a real job and uh, staying in Europe, riding as a professional motocross rider, living my dream. You know, it was just just the mindset and just the, the work and the results. So I made my choice. My choice was to be a professional rider. That's what I 
enjoy the most um, in life. So I put in the results uh, and then this year I landed my first professional ride, uh, signed the contract last year, let's say. And then again, life decided to, to, to hit me with some tough times. I, I had visa issues. Uh, I couldn't come back to, to Europe for about three months. We were planning to come back November. I came back 10th of February, I think it was. So it was a long fight, uh, a lot of money spent. Um, and we didn't have anything in South Africa in 2020. When we moved here full time, my parents sold everything in South Africa to to come here and buy a house. Uh, my dad stayed there. He was living with his sister, it was. So... We didn't have anything to go back to when we were in South Africa. We were staying at our cousins and everything, and uh, it was it was tough. But like I said, it it woke me up. It gave me another deep realization, a deep reflection, like you said, uh, into what I really want in life. And uh, then <clears throat> came back. Everything seemed to be on track. Got injured. Kind of had to go through the a long eight weeks of, of trouble again, rehab, and then some slight visa issues. And now two three weeks on the bike uh, since the injury everything seems to be going well so i'm yeah. just taking the day by day i can't get too ahead of myself because if i do you never know what life might throw at me next so it's been tough but it, it it's good if i look back now i wouldn't want it any other way you know i wouldn't be the same same guy i am today without it yeah mate all that sacrifice and just seeing what your parents have uh, gone through it's just it's just incredible yeah. mate so it's um you're definitely all in at this point and um how do you how do you find living in Europe still? Do you have any um, issues adapting to life there? Or are you pretty comfortable now? There's obviously some things you'd miss about home, I'm sure, mate. But overall, overall, you're pretty well comfortable and settled. Yeah, no, it's it's simple now. I've been here a couple of years, so uh, Lommel, I know it really well. This is where kind of where I've been based since I've been here. So it's it's normal for me now. I would say, of course, that I miss the friends in South Africa. I miss the little things that's hard to explain um but i'm here for a reason you know that makes it a lot easier i'm here to not do a job let's say but i'm here for for a purpose whereas for my parents i would say it was a lot tougher for them moving here they didn't have friends or connections like i did through through riding so they came here no friends they 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 worked and really that was it where for for me i'm here for a purpose yeah, and your family, your parents, uh, obviously your dad's still back there, but your your mum and that's still over in Europe, or have they gone back too? No, so the visa problems at the end of last year was for, for myself and my whole family. Yeah. So my mom, she got a, a visa now for, for Portugal, but my dad and brother are still still trying to figure theirs out. And obviously mine was top of the top of the list. It was yeah. the priority to, to get me back over here. So we figured mine out first, and now... My whole family is back in South Africa uh, working on, on their visas. Oh, wow. It's, it's just ridiculous almost. There's, there's hoops you got to go through, mate. But um, fingers yeah. crossed it all works out. But um, how have you found um, Lommel, mate? Obviously, it's a, it's, a, it's a fairly gnarly beast of a track. Um, obviously, you're pretty expert on it now with the team being based pretty close there, obviously. So how good are you on it, mate? And um, obviously, I've heard they're changing the track for the GP. Um, what have you sort of heard about that and how comfortable are you there just in general? No, so I wouldn't say the team's close to it. It's literally in their back garden. Like if you open <laughs> open the door, you're at Lombo, you're on the track. So I've been riding there a lot. I've done many, many laps there. Um, and I'm really good there on the training day. Like when, when the when the boys are there, often the Damo, he's training there a lot or has been um it's good to to gauge uh with other guys because there's always fast guys there and and at Lommel I'm definitely on pace so yeah obviously many laps many many laps done there um but honestly you can't compare it to a GP the bumps everything the layout everything is different and the yeah the layout is completely new this year for for the GP I've seen some some photos so it'll be interesting um I do feel really good in the sand at the moment. Joel's helped me a lot. And since I've been living here, I've been on the sand sand grind, let's say, for, for the last three years. So honestly, I'm becoming more of a sand rider than a hard pack rider. So so I gotta go sharpen my skills in the hard pack again. But 
yeah, many laps at Lomo. So I'm actually really looking forward to that GP. Obviously, uh, Joel puts you through your paces, mate. Uh, from what you've said, how hard is the training schedule? Do you reckon he um, gets a lot of satisfaction from seeing you guys suffer, mate? <laughs> no doubt about it, 100%. <laughs> he has his biggest smile on his face. But at the same time, you know, uh, the Deruva, he says he knows exactly what you shouldn't do as a rider. But I think Joel knows exactly what you shouldn't do. You know, the Ruva, he he knows a different part of what you shouldn't do. And Joel knows training wise what you shouldn't do and when you're doing too much. So he's done it himself. He he really makes a good program. And I look really good like physically this year. I, I'm skinny, I'm in shape, but my my body all around is is really good. And on the bike, I feel also really, really good. Like in training, I don't get tired. Um, and in France, to be honest, I also, I wasn't tired. Just my shoulders were not great in the second motor. So I feel good. And I think it's going to show, especially in Latvia. It's a, it's a very yeah. technical and, and rough track. And you can kind of get away with, with riding through the bumps there, uh, which is, is obviously the very physical way of doing it. But I think that'll, that'll suit me. Yeah, that's cool, mate. So I was going to ask you just sort of um, what are your favourite tracks coming up, ones that are you particularly looking forward to, obviously, uh, Latvia and Germany, um, and obviously yeah. Lommel you're going to be pretty good at. So is there any? Is there one particular that you're <laughs> really keen to get to? Um, this week, the, the, the next one, Latvia, I really enjoy that track. I've had always good races there, always good speed, good feeling. Um, last year, it didn't necessarily go my way, but I've never felt bad on that track let's say and germany as well i feel really good at that track uh my results like that's kind of in 2021 and 22 where the results started coming in and i always built from germany and and onwards uh so that's a good track for me but like i said i gotta get back on hard pack sharpen my skills skills a bit bit, bit on the hard pack and then I don't honestly I don't even know what's after those two GPs, but those two GPs I I do enjoy. Oh, that's good, mate. What did um we James was speaking to Mitch Evans and he sort of said um Latvia is one of those tracks who's got the biggest balls and can hold it wide open. Um is that what you think yeah. too? Yeah, hundred percent. Um the way the track forms is really sketchy. And like I said, that's one of the tracks where if you grow a pair and you're physically good, it'll pay off one hundred percent. So I think that's it's really good for me. It's it's very much we have one sand track in South Africa and it's pretty much exactly like Latvia, you know, really sketchy, really rough, uh, really tough on the body. So it feels just like home, let's say. <laughs> oh, that's good, mate. And I was gonna ask you, you're gonna get back into the, the vlogs um in the coming GPs and and do you actually see many South African fans at the GPs? Um in the US, I have to say, in the at Nations last year, there was a lot of South Africans that came up to me and and the team. Uh, in Germany at the Adax, I always somehow found South Africans uh, at the GPs. It's a little less common, I would say, but Germany for some reason always has um, South Africans. Uh, I know Holland is full of South Africans. I've never met one at the GP, but. That there is usually South Africans all over France. I know a couple of South Africans that have moved to France. They come and watch the GPs, so they they're all over. Um, but I don't often see them at the GPs. I would say. And the vlogs. What's the vlogs are coming back. Uh, yeah. I've contacted James. He's working on some for me, and yeah. then one of my South African mates who's who's doing a um he's getting a degree in filming and editing. He's going to come over for a while, do some stuff for me. Uh, I've made arrangements with, with him, so he'll live with me. It'll be like really day in the life, really cool stuff. Yeah. So they are coming back. It's just just a matter of time. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I suppose it's good the the more coverage and exposure you guys get, <laughs> um, the better. Obviously, we try and bring bring a lot of it to light at MX Vice, what we can. And obviously, the series is doing the new Behind the Gate series, so... Just your sort of take, have you have you felt more interest in general, just maybe on the social media, media, and um, just as good what the series is doing too, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. Uh, the, I think that behind the gate series, that's it's really interesting for, for people from the outside and to build not, 
you know, like for, for the riders, it's it's much easier to build a, a fan base like that because people from the outside, they get to see your character and what what kind of a person you are. So people can more or less fall in love, fall in love and become a fan of who you are instead of how you ride, where I think F1, they do that really well. Yeah. Um, you can fall in love with the person and not the racer, which is, is very good. Uh, so... I think they're doing a really good job with that behind the gate series. And as well, that's that's why I started the vlog. You know, it kind of gives people a whole new perspective of who I am, not just as a racer, but my personality, my my life. I get a platform to to show people what I've been through and what I go through every day. And then also I've been working on race reports uh, on my website. I've gone, kind of gotten into that and a lot of the older uh, fans and older followers they appreciate that especially the the ones in South Africa you know since the vlogs are not not up at the moment the race reports a lot of the the older guys they read that and they appreciate the the small details and and just knowing how my weekend has gone yeah it's cool it's a good balance obviously which I like to do the written and the audio because yes, like <laughs> you say some of the older audience don't like really aren't into podcasts that much but um yeah it's pretty cool having a writer like you that's so comfortable in the media because um obviously a lot of guys think it's a, like obviously it's pretty draining and it takes a lot of energy do you find it on race days a bit of a hassle or do you enjoy just any chance you get no at the moment i enjoy any any chance that i get i'm a very uh open guy i, I enjoy com- conversations i enjoy people in general um the certain people let's say but the media that they, for me to me they've always been nice uh i've always had respect for them they've had respect for me you know uh andy at gaytrop uh I, he has my whatsapp number so so it's almost like i'm friends you know with with the media guys also you i speak to you guys often on instagram so i'm also i'm not a star at all so i don't have media following me everywhere and every day and giving me shit and criticizing me like Jeffrey Hurlings, they, they might do that to him, you know? So for me, it's not yet draining. And I hope one day it will be draining because then I know I've, I've made it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, at the moment I enjoy it. That's probably kind of good in a way. Cause I suppose it's, well, we hope there is a South African GP and an Aussie GP back on the calendar one day, but I suppose you don't have a home GP per se. So yeah, you're not like, uh, you know, Adamo at Trentino or the, the Spanish yeah. guys getting swamped in Portugal and Spain. So, yeah, yeah. it's sort of different for you. You can focus on your, on what you need to do on the races, which is exactly. a good thing. And just sort of looking ahead, I'll give you a couple more just areas immediately that you're looking to improve on. Obviously, health's one, but um, anything in particular on the bike or in your technique that you, you're sort of working towards? Starts uh, are the biggest thing this year you – you can't afford a bad start. I mean, Adamo, he didn't have a great start, second race in France, and he came back well. But there's a, a select few at yeah. the moment who can who can do that. So I'm not one of them. I need to get myself a start. I need to be up front. That's the easiest way um, to, to learn and to, to make myself better each week. And then uh, just confidence in ruts at the moment like in france I, I did struggle with that and it did get much better throughout the weekend so other than those two things there's nothing really specific you know you can be better in every aspect uh if you take a, a deep dive and you look at yourself and you you give yourself an honest review um can always be better but the the main thing for me at the moment would be the starts because the more i'm up front the, the more i'm going to learn the more more i'm gonna get faster and see some different stuff so so that's the biggest yeah it's definitely a lot of guys say the starts are just so important especially as you move up through the classes when the competition's yeah. just so fierce so it's like you know ferrato and guadagnini like if you get the start you can sort of hold yeah. but once you get exactly. that once you get that crap start getting back into the top 10 is just a massive <laughs> challenge and it's kind of yeah. the same in mx2 in a lot of ways because there's there's so many dudes in there but and also one um one a little bit different. What's the story behind the number one twenty two? Is there a bit of superstition, or what's the what's the go behind it? No, superstition is is not my thing. I've I've read something from Conor McGregor once, and he said superstition is is for the weak minded. You know, it's an excuse as to why they've done bad or why they haven't done well, and that's that's kind of stuck with me. You know, I've tried to stay away from superstition. 
like yeah. a lot of my friends in South Africa, they would put two cents in their boots before they go and ride <laughs> and all, all that kind of stupid stuff, you know, and they, they've tried to put it onto me, but I've, I've never looked at it as I've just been like, no man. But, um, <clears throat> it was my first, I was 48, number 48 when I was a kid. Uh, that was my cousin's number when he used to race. So I took that over and then, I got a trainer, Daryl Fitzgerald, a South African guy, really, really good trainer. He's doing Brad Bender's um, training at the moment, so he's he's very good. Uh, and he was number 122 when he rode, and I kind of liked the look of the number, and it had yeah. some kind of meaning, so you know, I was like, oh, let me take that number. So I took that one. Uh, but now, next year i don't know why i'm thinking of it at the moment but next year i want to change my number to to triple one like uh, langston yeah. in his early days yeah oh, that's cool mate very cool and do you have much interaction with the binder guys um obviously you met them and stuff like that they sort of support you and you support them being south africans yeah 100 percent. uh if you know south africans you you know that we have a, a strong connection we all all bras as we would say we yeah. all we're all friends we we have this slang and we we know what we mean so it's uh it's nice i was riding with them a couple times in south africa uh they they ride mx in their off season and the the younger one darren he's he's a bit loose he's he's crazy (laughs) funny guy but brad's really quiet really nice guy uh humble like they they're really the complete opposite of each other um no they're, they're really nice guys yeah i've spoken to them a little bit yeah, cool, mate. And just a couple more, just sort of aims for the, the Latvia GP and aims for tomorrow in the Dutch Masters, mate. And uh, obviously after that, we'll just ask who you'd like to thank as well along the journey this year. Yeah. Uh, so tomorrow I, I want to be on the podium. Uh, also, some some good starts, you know, I need to... The more races I do, I think the better the starts will get. So I'm looking to improve, improve my starts tomorrow and then from there get on the podium uh from the most dike and the wolf are there so there's some there's some good riders good competition so a podium would be good and then in latvia <coughs> i want to be top 10 um i would be satisfied with that but i really feel that if i put myself in a good position from from the beginning with some good starts that i can run even more up front than that but Joel would would not be agreeing with what I say right now. You know, he would say, "Take it slow." You know, take it easy. But I wanna, I wanna be up front. You know, I'm hungry. I haven't sacrificed and gone through what I've gone through this year just to be a top ten guy. So I wanna get to the front asap. Yeah, cool, mate. And just anyone you'd like to thank in particular? For sure, uh, my family. They'll be listening to this. Them for all the all the troubles this year. They know what we've been through. So. A big thanks to them, my mom and dad, uh, the team, obviously, uh, the trainer, Joel. They, they've also been a big part of my year uh, with the patients, like like I said, through through all the problems. And that's that's it. Thank you to to, to call me on you and uh, give me a chance to speak. No, mate, the fans will love it. And obviously, yeah, your parents have obviously raised the top young bloke. So um, all the best for the Thank future, you. mate. It's certainly going to be bright and... Um, I'll just quickly give a read out to the sponsors for making this all happen. So Fly Racing, Monster Energy, Box Racing, Parts Europe, Scott, Bell Helmets, Acherbys, AS3 Performance, Kawasaki UK, KTM UK, and even Strokes for all their incredible support. As without them, none of this would be possible. So thanks again, mate. And I'm all the best for the foreseeable future. And I'm sure we'll be talking soon. Thank you very much, man. Thanks for having me on.